What are we doing today on the broadcast? Dooby Scooby Doo. I don't know. What's up, dude? Scooby Scooby Doo. Scooby Scooby Doo. We can't sing too much. Uh, man, I'm good. I'm I'm really excited about this episode. I yeah, know you. This was a uh, spooky kinda... episode. Oh, Halloween spooky. special. Ah 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 We're gonna do Scooby Doo Zombie Island, guys. Yeah, man. We're gonna we're talking about one of. One of my favorite childhood cartoons that was so funny. Like I, I loved like looking back at this and, and I was like, why is it? I mean, I remember the, one of the moments where my dad was just like, you know, this is a show that I loved from my childhood, you know, and, and it came back in a big way, early nineties with pup named Scooby-Doo and, mm-hmm. and then the, the like direct to DVD movies like this, this was the first one that they did. Yeah, it was, it was like, I remember, I mean, I read up on it a little bit, not as much as you did. And it it was like a big deal. Like this was like a big movie release, release Scooby-Doo movie. I think they put a lot of money in it. Yeah. Like I really do. I I think I saw 50 mil, but that could have just been on marketing. I I don't know. I, and don't even quote me on that. Just look it up if you're interested. But, but I was like, man, like, I think they put a lot of time and money into this. Not like as much as like an actual, like release in the movie theaters movie but but for what it was uh this was a big deal and it was like a big like turn from your typical scooby-doo which we'll get into later like your just your typical storylines and then also from like it being super child friendly and all and it was this is a child friendly movie but but it's it's dark sometimes yeah it's a lot and and people i was scared as mentioned it that this was like darker in terms of like the real monsters and like the zombies and the cat ladies, they're getting very like voodoo, very like yeah. there's real demony worship things oh, going you know, on here. You know, there was a period probably if this had come out a little earlier in the nineties, the uh the whole anti Pokemon, anti Yu-Gi-Oh faction of the Christian uh you know, whatever mothers or fathers or whatever that group was yeah. would be super against. If there was like actually this. parent blogs about Scooby Doo, there might have been. Man, I don't know. There might have been. I, who knows? But 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 maybe not because they grew up with it, so they're like, oh, it's it's innocent, you know, or whatever. But yeah, uh, I just know a lot of a lot of. It's every now and then I'll come across one where a friend hey. will be like, I wasn't allowed to watch that as a kid, and I was just I'm just like, what? Yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a good lead into my first point about my relationship with Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I'm super curious because, because you did say uh, it was a cop-out, just like a Scooby-Doo ending on episode 26 of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, to that, I just wanted to mention, how dare you, <laughs> sir? Slander the name of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> how dare you, sir? <laughs> uh, yeah, what's your relationship? Well, that was the funny part about this one for me was that Growing up, because there was so many rough things on Cartoon Network, like Ren and Stimpy, and even getting into like the Billy and Mandy and the Ed and Nettie's and the Dexter's Lab, there were so many things. Gosh, were, so many of those are so good. They're so good, but my parents didn't like it. So they, at some point, when we, I mean, we had to have been like four or five, were like, no Cartoon Network, because that's where we don't want you watching. But how long did that last for? Well, they, could you they never said a specific time. So the good lesson for parents, like if you put rules on stuff, like make sure that you follow up. Cause 
it finally got to a point where Tom and Jerry started playing it like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Saturday. And I would watch so much Tom and Jerry because I was like, there's no way. That's, that's rough. I'm not allowed to watch this. Like, there's yeah. no way. And probably right around the time when I started watching things on Cartoon Network that were like recent releases was when Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends came out. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I just, that was like my favorite show. Yeah. And that was an awesome show. And I was like, okay, this is a show that like I'm saying I can watch this show. But that means right around that time, I'm pretty sure is when they really did move Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby-Doo over to like the Boomerang Network, which was like a whole different channel, you know? Yeah. And actually, it was even earlier than that, that Scooby-Doo got onto um, Cartoon Network. When Cartoon Network was just forming, I have notes on this somewhere, but Ted Turner mm -hmm. essentially bought... Uh, the Hanna Barbera cartoons, like and and like it was like nineteen ninety or ninety. I think you said ninety two. Ninety two. Okay, so he bought all that, and because Scooby Doo, they had so many episodes of Scooby Doo, and Scooby Doo came about after a lot of those Hanna Barbera shows kind of got canceled in a sense mm -hmm. in the late seventies or whatever, or, or no, it might have been before that. Whenever, when did Scooby Doo come out, man? I have the premiere date somewhere on here, sixty nine. So in the in the mid sixties. A lot of those shows were getting canceled because they were so violent. Like Johnny Quest mm. and all that stuff was like guns and, you know, murder, whatever. You know, there was like this cat. Actually, that was in the 90s. I'm getting my timelines confused. But, <laughs> but anyway, there's a lot of cartoons to keep yeah, up with. Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo um, premiered, you know, or whatever. The Scooby Doo, Where Are You in 1969. Mm. Um, and that was after you know, a lot of the more violent shows had gotten canceled. And so when in the 90s, when Ted Turner formed Cartoon Network, this like idea of like a 24-hour cartoons only, you know, channel, um, people thought they were crazy. But fortunately, they had shows like Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? to fill in a lot of that time. And so yeah. in the 90s, you had a resurgence of Scooby-Doo and like the cultural zeitgeist or whatever, you know, and then you had Pup Name Scooby-Doo came out a little bit after that, you know, and um, man, and we were 93 kids, you know, and, and honestly, like, I think what you were saying with um, the boomerang, you know, or whatever it was. Yeah, when um, they got big enough and then they had enough of their new shows yeah. that were, they had enough like fill time to be like, yeah, of course we'll play all Billy and Mandy and all Fosters and all whatever all day long. Yeah, they, we probably saw they, a lot of it on Boomerang, I, like yeah. what you're saying. But but Scooby-Doo, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, I definitely watched that as a really young kid. And I know they redid a lot of the Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? in like the late 90s, early 2000s. There were one or two times where that popped back up on regular rotation. And mm -hmm. it was like, always been, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? has always been one of my favorite shows. Yeah. With, without a doubt. Yeah, well, and that's what I, I thought it was great one to jump in to like do a podcast about this because it's uh, you know how the turntables here that you this is a show that you've grown yeah. up watching you've seen a thousand times and i'm the one that kind of is going into this movie being like i don't know too much about scooby-doo because it just wasn't part of a childhood yeah rotation. we didn't even get to what was so yeah what is your relationship yeah with like, well, there is none that's what there i'm saying there, okay. there i've seen some episodes here and there but it never was on a TV rotation in my house ever. Yeah. Ever. Well, you've got you've got the Adventure Time tattoo, and I don't have a Scooby Doo tattoo. But what I do have, and I can either confirm or deny this, there might be a Scooby Doo bed sheet in my room. That's not on my bed. 
It is, but it's like protecting my mattress from the like springs or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't need to go into the setup of my bedroom, but but I, there might be a Scooby-Doo bed might sheet be in my room still. Sheets. Yeah, I, you know, and it was so funny. Actually, my coworkers, one of them doesn't, like doesn't know that much about me or whatever, you know, and, and for my birthday, 2019 was like, what do we do for Russell's birthday? And there was always themes and they go all out in the office. And one time I had a really passionate Scooby-Doo rant. And because of that, I had a whole Scooby-Doo birthday party theme <laughs> at my work. And that's, I was, a, that's a great theme for a birthday though. Yeah. But also like as There's a 26 like year old man at the time, I'm like, I don't, want this or a 25 year old man i'm like you know like i'm trying to be cool i'm trying to like impress people and be like in the industry or whatever and then people walk up and there's ah, people do all over my desk that's that's fun though that's i, I think yeah. that's 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 the keeping you young i guess so keep um, you young when you get old man there's something i I learned today just to get back on this topic and, on, and not just scooby do in general um well, actually really i did want to mention that the the early, like, the crazy... Did you ever get to see the goofy guests that were on Scooby-Doo? Like, right after the Scooby-Doo, where are you? The, like, second iteration of yeah, Scooby-Doo? Yeah, where there was, like, Harlem Globetrotters yeah. and, like, all different kind of, like... I was wondering if you had a favorite guests. one. Yeah. No, because, yeah, I, I really... Uh, I know that I've seen, like, snippets of the Harlem Globetrotters episodes. That's a good one. But, yeah, I think that was probably my favorite. I saw just... I was like, man, like, Kiss, Batman and Robin, Don Knotts... Harlem Globetrotters and Weird Al were the ones that stuck out to me. I've never seen the Weird Al episode, but I might have to go look that up. Ah, that's got to be a deep cut one. That's I just got to be more modern. You know, it's got to be way more modern, yeah. obviously, because he wasn't. It's even, probably a little bit more racy too. I would imagine. Maybe he wasn't even happening in the seventies. So, uh, whenever Weird Al got to start, but yeah, man. Um, and also the show, they were developed as a rock band. That's something else I found really. This yeah, is Russell's I, I read that. I read that fact too. Isn't that crazy? Like, like they were like, all right, we got to have these hipster guys. And in between shows on, like as a rock band, they go and they solve mysteries while they're like in between gigs. Yeah. Well, and think about it. If it's coming out in 69, then the premise, I mean, like that's when Summer of Love was. That's when like mm. Jimi Hendrix and Rolling Stones and like everybody was hitting it big in the late 60s. Yeah. So that would have been like, hey, how do we make a cartoon and make it, that would be relevant to the time, you know? Yeah. Well, this week we're talking about Scooby-Doo Zombie Island. Zombie Island. Which, man, I, just real last fun fact. Well, actually, I got some for this movie, but- it was animated by a Japanese studio. Like we, like we were talking about, like the animation, like it's just slightly different than a typical Scooby Doo episode. And obviously, more money's going into it. Um, but I didn't, my mind didn't connect the like anime esque things about this movie, you know, and and, yeah. and how it's fleshed out in that way. And I'm like, I think I'm slowly getting anime into this podcast. Like just yeah. a little bit at a time. I kind of noticed it in one specific point in the movie. And now that now that you say kind of yeah. anime, there was one point where like Bo and Daphne were like standing in front and like behind them was like Scooby and Shaggy and they were like faded and then the camera like did a, a, a like focus shift. Uh, and I was like, oh, it felt like very much like a perception anime scene yeah I was like, kind so of i can see that you know interesting interestingly complex anime yeah. can be sometimes and and this movie felt that the yeah. whole time like from the get-go 
you, it, like you could be in a scary movie if the music was different. I think this is something that we'll touch on this this episode a good bit. Is like if the music of the Scooby Doo movie was slightly different, was less, you know, Scooby Doo, you know, that sort of a thing, and was more like haunting and creepy and cracky, and it and would be a scary movie. It would be a creepy movie. Yeah. You have the intro scene where the monster rips open the door, and the gang is there, frightened and terrified, and. And then Daphne and and uh, Velma fall off of the side of the building or whatever, and mm-hmm. and fortunately Fred grabs them both, you know. And yeah, that could that could be scored like could a be. very terrifying horror scene. And that's I, the music geek in us is I like that's how powerful the score of a movie. It could is. be so yeah, it could be so different. But I actually talking about that scene though. The best part about that scene was when the monster swipes at Fred and he has to let go of one of them. Yeah, and he lets go of <laughs> let's, Velma instead. Yeah. He lets go of Velma. We it's just like, we were sorry. In, we were starting the, the movie off. Me and Russell watched it together the other week and we were like, oh my gosh, he just dropped her. Like he he picked his favorite, you know? And yeah, like, I mean, we, totally we would have all guessed that anyway. Yeah. But. Uh, I got a, an alternate title for this Scooby-Doo Zombie <laughs> okay, Island movie. Did you? I, don't, I sent you some notes. I don't know if you read this. Um, but I found this online. This is not something I created. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, Scooby-Doo and the Cat Lady, Where Cat, Cat God Worshipping Worshippers, Haunted Pirate Ghosts, Pirate Ship, Pirate Zombies, Zombie Tourists, Confederate Zombie Soldier, Infested, Voodoo, Boo-Hoo, Boza Boo, Who's Got You, Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid, Cat Lady Got Your Tongue, Is Velma Supposed to Be Hot? Mystery Island. Ooh, good one. Yeah. That's, I just, you know, just to summarize it, you know, quick title. It, it probably would have been called that if that could have fit on a VHS cover in a blockbuster. But, you know, they had to go with the short version. Man, this movie's all over the place. All I, over all the place. Over the place. I, if we want to simplify it, we can just call it Scooby Doo and the Louisiana stereotypes. Yeah, but in, in such a great way. And everything's explained. So, I, like, I really think this movie does a great job at summarizing and wrapping things up. And it feels so in your face and so all over the place all the time. Like I remember we were watching this and you had a moment where all of a sudden we had uh, the zombie tourists, we had pirates, we had a Confederate soldier out of nowhere. I think I was just like, what's happening? Yeah. You're like, and you and Jackie for quite a bit, were just like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden we had voodoo dolls and the cat guy. And I was like, I just like, yeah, it, it kind of comes and it, watching it back over again and you can see the lead up and you know which characters are like good and bad and what they, but like literally having like knowing nothing about this kind of when that in scene happens and then they're like, the zombies are good and the cat ladies are trying to kill us and we're wrapped up in voodoo. And I was like, if you took your eyes off this movie for a minute, you, you would just be so lost. You know, you might you might be a little lost, but at but at the end, I just feel like they wrap everything up so nicely, like every little bit, every question you had, and there was a moment I was it, like, yeah, just watch because it was answered. A, yeah, a second later they answered it, but but none of the answers to me, and I'm biased, but none of them really feel forced. Like I I feel like for a movie no. that is all over the place, they really figured out a way to make it all technically makes sense it, no you're you're right in that but i do think that the only thing that upset me that was forced was the fact that they're like we're cat like because she's like the crazy cat lady right you know yeah miss simone is the crazy cat lady and 
that is a kind of a part of the movie that there's cats all over the house, but that kind of was it. There was no other cat isms that she did. Like as there are cats person. everywhere, but there's cats everywhere. Yeah, but like yeah, and she crazy hates lady. the dog. Um, so there there could have just been a couple like if if I were to be yeah. writing this movie and being clever with it or whatever, I would have thrown like little cat isms like she hissed at Scooby Doo or I think that would have just been too much because I mean essentially they're just like werewolves like werewolves aren't yeah. dogs when they're people but i think that was the thing i said I, I would think was forced when she goes and does the backstory and like yeah explains to them she's like we settled on this island and we worshiped our cat gods and i was like wait <laughs> hold on wait, like, where in the hell where in the hell does this come from that there are american settlers that were just like a yeah, cat dog screw the church we worship a cat god and i'm like there could have just been at least <laughs> another 20 seconds of explanation of like this subset of a church in in New Orleans. But did uh, you need that? I don't think we needed all that. We didn't she, she goes need it, but man, I, it would just be a weird. little bit more satisfying to be like the settlers. We love the cat yeah. gods. Well, we and to, I was like, we looked to our cat god for a bountiful harvest. <laughs> I was like, no, there was no settlers in America uh, that were Egyptian god worshiping settlers, like yeah, it's just, just not a Scooby Doo. And they, I don't yeah, know. I just thought it was like that was like a thing they dropped in there real quick, yeah. and they were like that. Yeah, this is just the thing, and like you, you accept it. It is the answer. Well, now we're not from the Bayou. We got to go talk to someone from the Bayou. What the maybe, hell's going on on the Bayou? Maybe they'll tell us what's going on in the Bayou. <laughs> they worship cat gods down there. But yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like yeah. that, that was my probably my only qualm, <laughs> and I've got yeah. a couple other qualms, that, but not so like overarching over the movie. That flashback though had the most brutal scene with the Gators when when the uh, Moonscar and his pirate gang come and take over and they start killing people, and then they force all of the people that had settled there into the bayou yeah, to get to get eaten by the gators destroyed by gators and you see you literally see them cowarding or cower yeah cowering in cowering in the bayou and just like the the i don't know man i was going to say the camera whatever the the like drawn pans camera pans away and you just see the gators just all jump in after them and i was just like man oh like, yeah. brutal. Absolutely yeah, you don't think brutal. about that because, like, I'm desensitized by horror movies in general. And I was like, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, I would I'm love, not. and one, yeah, one, one thing I, like, noted down today, I was like, I would love to see an R-rated remake of this movie. Oh, it would that be could be cool. So, it would be good, like, with, with no, like, you know, crazy songs like we talked about with, like, a, a true horror movie score. I mean, with, like, blood. it's terror time again, though. You gotta have... You can't not have his terror the time. The best part of the whole dang movie are, <laughs> are these two songs. I, I I tried to find the other one on Spotify, the other main song. Maybe you just rewatched the yeah, movie was today. Um, I can't think of what it is, but it's, I, like, the one I about, their, like, everyone's in a mask and everybody's fake, mm-hmm. and that's a good song. Uh, but the... It's terror time. Like, dude, that song goes so hard, except for the structure of the song is terrible. It's like, yeah, it's like four two, bars of a verse. Four bars, four chorus. And four then bar straight chorus. to the chorus. It's like, I mean, every single time, like it's queued up four bars of talking or singing into it's terror time again. And I'm just like, man, that is a, that is a terrible song structure, <laughs> but such a 
good moment when when everybody all the zombies are chasing Shaggy and Scooby and they just gotta I, get out I of there. I also gotta think if you were hired to write a song for a Scooby Doo movie and the best thing you come up with is it's terror time. It's terror it's time again. Like, you could have come up yeah. with so many, like, I don't know, even better, like, funny catchphrases to put into a song that would have been... What's well, so funny, they had the... Actually, I really enjoyed this, was that they had the the main theme. Instead of doing the, like, what is the, the Scooby-Doo um, series that was a little bit more modern? The... Whatever that theme song by, like, not the White Stripes. Jeez, I can't... the playing white tees or whatever yeah. that theme song instead of doing that one it had third eye blind come in and yeah, sing the it, like a cover of the original I, version i was going to point that out that like kicking off the movie it was like this fun like surf rock version of the scooby-doo where are you theme song and i was like I, that's a that's a fun way to kick it off though you know? yeah it's like the original though like yeah like if it was not the original one i wouldn't have liked it nearly as much as no, i actually no. i did you know but everybody yeah no it, again if we're talking about this was a big blockbuster, like straight to DVD, but blockbuster movie. It was a lot of money went into. But yeah. It's really cool that they're like, you know, paying homage of like, we're still doing the OG theme song, you know? Well, there were some other things that are from the original. Frank Welker, actually, who voiced Fred in the original series, reprised his role, which was pretty rad. And I thought that was so interesting because he still sounds so young. Yeah. You know, like, and I was like, man. He sounded great. And must be an amazing voice actor. I mean, I, I didn't write down who did Velma's voice, but this is one of my favorite iterations of Velma as well in this movie. Um, and then Shaggy was funny because Shaggy, the original voice actor, was also supposed to reprise the role. And then supposedly he didn't want Shaggy eating meat on screen. And like the first scene of the movie, which also... Scooby and Shaggy are eating half the movie. Half yeah. the movie is just them chowing down. Um, and that is a problem I have with the movie, maybe. But um, yeah, he's like, he's a vegetarian and he didn't want Shaggy eating any meat. And then the first scene, he's like eating some crawfish or whatever. And so they had to find a new voice actor for Shaggy. <laughs> He's uh, like, he's, he would totally be a vegetarian, man. Yeah, and it was before the the dude from Without a Paddle ended up doing Shaggy for like, mm -hmm. you know, 13 or 14 years until they replaced him on Scoob. Not that I'm uh, bitter about that or nothing. He should have been the voice actor on Scoob. So, well, I'm glad you, you brought up food, though, because that was something I, like, was thinking about when watching this movie, is that every food that they ate looked freaking delicious. Yeah, it, like, it did. You know, it's like how you've seen those like memes and TikToks of like, what's like that cartoon food that you would just, it's like every, like especially All the sandwiches. It. Every sandwich in this one looks delicious. The beignets yeah. look delicious. Like, Gosh, I was they, like, they, they, they The animators murdered the whole, like, let's make all this food look amazing. I know. I'm not even a big crawfish guy. I'm not I'm like, either. I want, yeah. a, I want some crawfish, man. Like, I know. Ah, yeah. And I, the peppers. Like, the pe like the, the hot the, peppers, the peppers looked delicious. Oh, the peppers looked the real peppers. good. <laughs> it looked real good. But, yeah, man. But I did, uh, well, and going back to your other point, too, because we're, I think before we take our, our break real quick here, uh, kind of just going over our, our thoughts and our feels of the movie before we kind of do a walkthrough and a, like a, like a synopsis, but a synopsis with commentary. Wherever it goes. That, yes. um, oh, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. I don't know. Let's it was, see. oh, you said the, they were eating half the movie. Yes. And that's, I was going to ask you about that. Cause I was like, you know, they're there with the team. They're obviously like the goofballs. Mm -hmm. Oh, they really, besides getting chased and eating, 
they almost aren't even with the group any of the time in the yeah. movie. And that kind of upset me. Like they do a Frodo and Sam like yeah, thing the whole time. The whole time they they somehow, you know, like they can't eat at the dinner table. So they go eat in the kit in the kitchen and in the car by themselves. But that's like their thing. They always split up, you know, and, and it's always Shaggy and Scooby together. Yeah, but but it kind of like even weirded me out that like they just didn't seem like even when they were in the room with everybody else, they didn't get any dialogue in, you know? Yeah, well, they didn't have a chance because Simone was always just like, your dog. Your oh, dog. <laughs> you, have, you have to do something about your dog or whatever, yeah. you know? Like, she's just like all about getting him out of there. With but, her terrible French accent. But yeah, but of, but of course, yeah, that was another issue I had was all the, the accents, the fairy guy, Jacques. His uh, his Creole was. I didn't love very it. Forced. Yeah, Simone was a little forced, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Lena was really forced. Like Lena was talking per- with a no. Lena was perfect. Draw. She was so perfect. <laughs> she was perfect. That's that's uh, for sure. If we're gonna do lovelies, I already am not having an. Ask. I don't have a lovely. I do have a sexy character. Lena. Uh, it's Bo. Oh, Studley Bo. Yeah, Bo, man, Detective Neville. He's a. Gardner with way too tight of chinos and a wife beater for half this freaking movie. How do you go from a name like Bo and then you're like, sorry, my real name's Neville. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Neville. I mean, that's a name you don't hear that often. Um, but I guess so is Ned. Yeah, it's true. I got the I got the world's nerdiest name yeah. locked in the book. He's great. He's playing he's played as this like red herring for the entire movie. Uh I think it's a little dramatic, like he's um, he comes out of nowhere several times. He's creepy, throws the rock over Velma's head, and you're like, he's about to murder Velma, and it goes into the quicksand and saves her. Um, yeah, but he's, man, those tight pants. Mm, yeah, I'm telling you what. The... Uh, also, the quicksand, I had a little note here. I think John Mulaney has a bit about quicksand. About <laughs> That was something that you were so scared of as a child. Oh, never encountered in real life. It is so true, too. Like, (laughs) I was terrified of quicksand. I really was because you read it the first time I I read it in a book, I was just like, What is this? It could be anywhere. Every, every like childhood show had like a quicksand episode. Yeah, you could literally just be walking on a a a trail. Princess Bride is what got me on that one. Oh, really? Yeah, the quicksand scene where like she goes, like, Seen it once. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen it once. It's a good one. I believe you. Actually, Lena was the other one that I was like, it's, it's really, honestly, it's, it's, it's Lena. <laughs> Lena is my sexy <laughs> she, she annoyed me too much. Again, and she butted, she butted into their comment. Like, okay, well, I'll save this for our snack. I've had years of practice. Uh-huh. You're going to love your room, Freddie. It's oh. where the, su- it's where the harvest moon rises. I hope you'll be comfortable here. She's <sighs> so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, she's great. <laughs> The ghosts are real, of course, but if you're too scared to go, like, <laughs> oh, Lena, jeez. Oh, My Lena, crush geez. as a kid. <laughs> well, that's a good place. Um, I'm a man. I think, we need to, I think we need to pin it on Rux, Russell's sexy girl voice to take a quick break. Let me recover <laughs> from that for a minute. Uh, uh, and I'll we'll recover. be back. All right. See you guys. Howdy, folks. Oh, damn peppers. 
We all pepper salesmen down at Peter Pepper's Pepper Picking Patch. Yeah, lots of alliteration in their peppers. We like alliteration here. You oh. know what we got? We got the hottest peppers south of the Mississippi River, which don't even make no sense. Yeah, we got them down in the dirty old Baton Rouge, baby, or could, wherever we are. I don't know, Baton Peppers. Baton Rouge. You know what we got? We got... Uh, uh, six peppers. peppers for a dollar, twelve peppers for fifty cents. Who cares about the money? This is spicy. This is spicy. We're going to eat two of them right here, right here. Here we go. Have one, cheers. One, two, cheers. Three. Oh, shit, fire. Peppers. Burn peppers are fucking hot. Yeah, peppers. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just, I had a pepper just now. Oh, oh my God. Are you good? Oh, man. I guess it's just me now. Peppers. Pepper got him. Got him by the pepper. Hey, come on down and get your peppers. The hot, spicy, freaking good as hell peppers. Welcome back, everybody, from the pepper commercial. Peppers. It happened. That I said peppers like 18 times in that. That was good. That I was like a good that. one. Yeah. Yo, what's up? Uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, Zombie Island. I almost said Monster Island. I feel like, what is the, the That's first? Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed. Is that the first IRL movie that they did, or is that no, the second that was one? The That's second the second one. one? Yeah. What is the first one called? I think it was just, just oh, what was it called? It was like Monster. It was something on an island. S- something island. Yeah. And that's why I keep getting confused. And honestly, even if you look up Zombie Island, sometimes the other one pops up. Yeah. Because it's also on an island. It's like Monsters on the theme park island. Or there whatever. are also some similarities between those two movies, though, that I actually did want to point out. The the main one that I want to bring up is just the way the two movies begin. You have the game together. They're solving a crime, just like old times. They unmask somebody. It's some dude in a mask who's trying to terrify people for a treasure or whatever it is. And then they split up. And in both movies, they split up. They have a, a little bit of a time jump. And then you have present day. And in this movie... The difference is in the IRL movie, they split up because they're pissed off. They're mad at each other. You know, like Fred's taking claim for solving or not for solving, for for coming up with a plan or whatever. That was Velma's plan. And Daphne, everybody just thinks she's a damsel in distress. And and she was, you know, in the beginning. And then later on, she learns Kung Fu. And that's a big part of her character arc or whatever in that movie. Um, but in this, basically, they just get bored. They, yeah. They're just tired of solving mysteries and it's just a guy in the mask. And Which I don't blame them. No, yeah. I don't I don't either. It's like, is it a guy in a mask? Like, you don't need us to figure that out. For, yeah. You know? And they're basically on tour. It's like a band that never stops touring. They're just constantly going around living out of the van and solving. I mean, what, yeah, what happens at night? Like, do they just crash, <laughs> you know, I at hotels? Know. I We yeah. never know that about the Scooby-Doo gang. You know? It was the 60s, bro. I feel like they have to have money, though, because in the second IRL movie, it, they have like a big like home base or whatever. I could be mistaken on yeah. what that was. But did you notice that like, well, they split up in this one and then yeah. they, they all have like jobs that they, you know, relative, relatively like Velma doesn't really like her job, but that are like almost Fred's, perfect for all of them. Yeah, like Fred's like simping S- over da- Daphne. Dude, Hard. super simp, super Hard. simp Fred. I had the it was like, oh, and my totally guy that agree. like runs my show for me, Fred, and Fred's like waving over there, and it's like he's like in love with me. So hard, man. <laughs> he but will never leave my side. Both, regardless, they're both crushing it. Velma's running her bookshop, which she said she doesn't like as much as solving mysteries, but it's pretty much a great fit for her. Mm-hmm. And Shag, I love that Shaggy's gonna be just working TSA. Yeah. In the in the uh, the what is it? 
like you can't bring food to our country claims yeah. so they can eat all the food. And I was like, how fitting are all of these jobs for their characters? Dude, so Scooby good. and Shaggy's job is, it's amazing. It has for them. to be they're one custom of the best agents jobs. and they're sniffing out food, foreign foods or whatever, <laughs> and drugs, you know, and then they consume all the food and they consume and they the get food. fired. Yeah. And, and fortunately, Freddie's trying to surprise Daphne for her birthday and get the game back together and go find a real mystery. But the, the Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, their job as custom agents is like almost perfect for them. For, you know? Yeah. If, if, but like, aside from getting caught, it was like the perfect job for them. It was. For sure. Yeah. Which again, was. like yeah, if you think about a total stoner, being like the best place to go get like all your weed would be from the, <laughs> like from the police station where they store all the, uh, the stolen weed. Yeah, they you definitely get fired doing that, I guess. But yeah, man, some things we talked to a lot about kind of the problems we saw. Some things I thought that this movie does really well: design, tone, tempo, depth. Like there are a lot of little elements, risks. I think this this movie takes a lot of risks for the Scooby Doo franchise. In what ways? Well, for like one, the monsters monster? are real. Yeah. You know, like they would have never done that in the past, you know, and, and part of the, I know they actually, from doing research that they almost didn't do real monsters. You know, they were almost going to do like an hour of like leading you on to believe the monster is real. And then it's a guy in a mask. But you were kind of waiting for that to happen in this movie, which I I'm think is a didn't. little bit of I the genius of it. You yeah. know, a little bit of like the a risk, but it captured everybody at the end and they like if it if nothing had come out from scooby-doo in a while and this was a big deal then they made it a big deal they made it like this is we came yeah. across some real ass voodoo you know and it was it was spooky like it's like actually dark like you don't get dark scooby-doo movies and i think that's another risk that they took doing this they have fleshed out villains and motive the villains have legit motives and you feel you kind of feel for them like after you hear the story from Simone and Lena, you kind of are like, man, like, you know, they didn't plan on being cat ladies. You know, they just were like praying to their cat God and their cat Mistake God number one. to curse, you know, the moon scar or whatever. And then they got cursed themselves, you know? And then from then on out, like if they wanted to stay alive on the harvest moon or whatever, they had to kill people, you know, which sucks, but like it wasn't their... Yeah. desire they yeah, just wanted to protect their be, friends and family they weren't gonna be immortal anyway so if you were like okay my plan was not ever to be immortal and the cat gods were like well you have to consume the souls of people to become immortal like yeah they could have just been like well, i'm not we saying they're involved cat yeah. people they're not good people for what they're doing <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like you you can kind of understand where they're coming from you get their motives and and like they are humanized a lot more than most films in Scooby-Doo movies are humanized. Um, yeah. And then also like the gang themselves were built out more. Mm -hmm. You know, you you really got to know what Daphne is all about and you got to see her not be that the damsel and she goes yeah, and I she's, really I'm going to unmask she this guy. wasn't like a damsel in distress in this movie. Dude, I didn't she, like that. She karate through, you yeah, know, oh, one the, of the zombies yeah. a couple of times, you know, like... She's awesome in this movie. And and you get to see, you know, Fred's a simp, but like Fred's character is fleshed out a whole lot more. And and you see a little bit more of the dynamic of Fred and Daphne where they both find a crush on the island, you know, sort of a thing. And yeah, I, know, I thought that I was, that was about it. I, the crush part was a very half baked 
like, it was and also part of the movie. Does Velma end up with Bo? I I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, it was like very ambiguous at the end. Yeah, like, I, which I think maybe they left it that way. That like yeah, Daphne doesn't always get the cute guy like that. Yeah, yeah. Give Velma the credit there, but yeah, right, man. you're going to hate me for saying this though. As we're diving into characters that okay. most punchable, it's got to be Fred for me. Is he? Yeah, because it was just at some point, it, it, like right in the middle. He's just less sexy than Bo, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like in a in the worst way possible because we talked about like, okay, kind of bugged me. He's like simping. He's working for Daphne, which is fine, which is fine, which yeah. is fine. But like, and he's like, just all the way he delivers his lines is like, wowzers. There must be a treasure. Yeah, it's like... And I was like, dude, shut it's up. It's the Captain America thing in that movie yes, where he just yes. became this like, he's an old lame guy, so we're all going to pick on him. Like Fred just is... And honestly, this is my problem with Fred's character in almost everything is that like, they're so afraid to do like a, a strong leader Fred character, you know, who's also like smart and like reliable, mm-hmm. you know, that they always play his his characteristics down and he just ends up being this dumb side kick character or whatever punching bag kind of a guy yeah and he was that in this movie a little bit yeah more and, than well, and that's that's fine but like i mean i it's still he's think he's the most punchable easily okay and then um yeah. like the the, yeah, the treasure he did have one funny moment that in the movie and i don't know if you caught this one maybe maybe not that when they were getting ready for dinner yeah. And, you know, you know, Shaggy was like, should I wear a, a clean shirt and trim my beard? Oh, and he puts the green. And he puts the, just the green shirt on and trims up like two hairs off his chin. <laughs> yeah. Then it flips to Fred in the other room. Such a great moment. And it's really funny. He actually puts on an orange ascot and then goes, nah. Oh, and really? And it off. And uh, I was like, oh, that was like a, a funny little nod that. to like his old outfit, you know? Oh, that's great. Dude, that's so funny. They, they've they gone through some weird outfit changes throughout the years. Like, there's another Dread to DVD movie, um, the one with the cyber... Uh, yeah, it was like Cyber cyber World. Cyber World or whatever, when they're basically in the video game and you get to see the like alternate versions of them and they're all wearing their, like, their alternate outfits or whatever. And Shaggy's got the red on. That that was always really confusing for me as a kid. But <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's that's so funny. I didn't pick up on that. That, that was a good scene. I also wanted to just mention, like, as we're getting into this movie, like, you had Jock do a very classic bit of just, like, people never come back from that island, you know? Like, he kind of warns them in the, what is it? Oh, it's right here. People go into the bayou and they don't ever come out, you Amos know? Amos Moses. Yeah. And then I think my most punchable character, we kind of saw right after that, it might be Snake Bites. Snake, yeah. Well, dude, besides a red herring, he served no purpose no, in this movie. Yeah. Mark Hamill. I know. Like doing doing Creole Mark Hamill. Yeah. The only reason we chose this movie is because Mark Hamill's in it. <laughs> We're <it's>, only <laughs> picking Mark Hamill movies at this point. <laughs> well, I guess uh Shrek was it. I hope is yeah, he I, in that? I hope we like read through the credits of Shrek one day and like Mark Hamill voiced a frog for also, like two lines or something. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, he's just after Big Mona, and there's no real payoff other than um one of the better jokes when Shaggy falls into best line a of the grave. episode. Is that for it for you? That's it. Yeah. What, I know what you're about to say. What is it? You say it then. Man, we were chasing to a hole by one third of a BLT. <laughs> that is such a good moment. I was like that no, I like was watching. I was like, that's easily the best, like 
like you said, there's not a ton of like comic relief. Yeah. There's not a lot of, this is not a comedy movie. No. But like, if you just threw that's more a good one. lines yeah. in there like that, I was like, that's that's clutch, man. Well, Fred for me had one too when, and it wasn't really supposed to be comedy, but basically they go in there. I, I don't want to just recount the whole movie because people hopefully watched it when they're listening to this. And they have the, you know, the get out, beware thing on in the kitchen, mm-hmm. which also Velma goes in there is just like, no authority. This isn't her house. Rips up the freaking just wall. Destroys the kitchen with She's a spatula. Just like, hold on, let me just. Yeah, I, and again, that's I guess the humanity of the uh, the villains in this movie. They were like, "Why are you destroying <laughs> what my are kitchen? What you doing to my kitchen?" Or what? I can't even. I, I don't. You're going sorry, like Transylvanian on me. Why did I try that? Let the go French. What are you doing in my kitchen? I'm incapable. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, she tears up the kitchen. And, and of course, the, the kitchen's helped or built by Moonscar's pirate ship a little bit. But uh, anyways, Fred is looking at the film and they're like, oh, maybe we can see what caused the writing because he literally got it on film. They're like writing occurring for the beware because it just said get mm-hmm. out and then beware. Um, and he says, let me darken the image a little bring up the sharpness and then you see the ghost. And there's a, a full image of a ghost. Is that how that works? It's like Moonscar's ghost is there. I need to get in touch with my I camera call people. 100% bullshit. Uh, videographers out there, hit us up and let us know. <laughs> Can you sharpen images on yeah, ghosts? Darken the image a little first and then bring up the sharpness. Do you see ghosts? Because <laughs> there's a lot of haunted shows out there that are missing out. If that's all you got to do, all you gotta there do. should be proof of ghosts. If, Man, I got, we actually, me and my girlfriend have talks about uh, our thoughts on ghosts all the time just because she's from Louisiana. She's from, she's she's from, from Louisiana. From the bayou. Um, I, well, I had another question yeah. um, about an inconsistency I may have picked up on and I may not have just understood what was happening. Okay. And it has to do with the zombies themselves because definitely they were all just ghosty boys before Scooby and Shaggy fell in the pit. And accidentally dig up his actual skeleton. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he comes, or, uh, you know, Monster Moonshine comes up, you know. Monster Moonshine. Monster Moonshine. Um, Bayabus. And I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think the idea, well, no, before no, you no, even no. ask your question, is okay, okay. that the, the zombies pop up like that every harvest moon. So every time it's feeding time for whenever the magic they is in the air, they come back awake in order to try and help whoever is about to be a victim of the cat people. Okay. That, okay. So that makes more sense on just like why he would be awake. The second thing though, is that they don't all come awake at the same time. Yeah. So if Moonscar woke up like at that point, why wouldn't all the other zombies wake up at that point? And then there's two other times where story like- Storyline. It's good for the storyline. Yeah. Like, well, Shaggy and Scooby eat the peppers and then they go stick their head in the lake. And then there's like a gust of wind and then more zombies come out of the lake. And then there's another point, like 10 minutes later, where they're like running somewhere else and another green thing comes up and more zombies. And I was like, why are they not- Why is it coming in waves like this? It makes no well, sense. Well, let me just theoretically speak for a moment. Theoretically speaking. I think the reason that's happening is because as the moon is rising, as we're getting closer to midnight, the moon is hitting those spots. And this is just total BS, but 
the moon is hitting those spots directly versus indirectly blocked by trees or blocked by whatever. Yeah. And I think it's it's just kind of that, I mean, obviously it's just for writing in the movie, yeah. but and and the significance of the plot. But I but I my guess would be that the harvest moon has a hit in a specific particular way for your ghost to zombify you or whatever yeah. you want to call it. That makes sense. It just it bugged me a little bit because I was like, if they all woke up at once, then they could have just gotten to the end point a lot quicker. Being like, oh yeah, there are yeah. definitely zombies on this island. Not like, oh, they just two of them ch- chased us and then they're gone. We don't, they're, mm. you know, though they're lying. Maybe there's not zombies. Well, we're, we're running around, right? And we hit, we've got a great montage, terror time again and whatnot. And this could be before or after it, but we have our first failed unmasking by the Scooby-Doo gang. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were when when Daphne goes and realizes it's a real mask, like what was your reaction to that? Because I, I mean, for me, it was like this is awesome. Yeah, masks I mean, are, they're always fake. And all of a sudden, that was great. Real. They just rip his head off, and then he like screws it right back on. I thought that was phenomenal. Did like, you see it coming though? Like, was it just uh, way too obvious? Yeah, no, I saw, I saw it coming. Okay, dang. Like right. I saw, like if if they didn't have the scene where like you watched a spirit like enter Moonscar's body. Now, if they just had like a zombie pop up kind of out of nowhere. Just Moonscar only, maybe. Yeah, just like just Moonscar only and he yeah. just like came out of the water or something. Then I would have believed that maybe you more could up. have unmasked somebody. Yeah, definitely. Um, or, and then even after, you could have unmasked one person and then there could have been real zombies later. See, I there, think that, that again, if, would have been great to be like, oh, we figured it out. And then more zombies come up, but those ones are real. They're just, know? they're little things like that that makes me, I mean, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes has this as an, at an 88%. And then IMDb has it at a 7.8 out of 10. Yeah. And there are little things like that that make me go, I don't, I don't know if it's that good of writing. But like the writing's pretty good. a pretty hefty Rotten Tomatoes score too. People like, people just like this movie. I, I really love this movie, but I- I need to see an age demographic of the the, the <laughs> audience score on this one. They all grew up with it. Yeah, they were all like, it all, every one of them was eight years old when this movie came yeah, out. Yeah, perfect time. And they're all Scooby-Doo fans like me. Um, I don't know, man. But yeah, the first failed unmasking was really interesting to me. I, I just feel like that's such a pivotal moment for and so risky for Scooby-Doo to just like, Let's take a chance and do it. Um, yeah, just I really love that. And then an issue I did have, I'll say though, and I think you did too, was the voodoo dolls came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was well, at least the voodoo I gave them credit because they were in Louisiana. And that's a huge like Louisiana. Okay. Like I guess I didn't vo- think about that. Voodoo culture in like Louisiana is a big thing. So But where did they get the magic wax? Yeah, that's that's the biggest. I think my biggest issue with this entire movie is that, other than the cat god, magic wax. They just happen to have it, and they only have a limited supply, so they can't make magic wax voodoo dolls for Shaggy and Scooby. Because, uh, and I'll quote this from the movie: "A waste of time and magic wax. It's not worth it." They didn't think they'd be a problem. Clearly, they haven't watched, you know, 100 episodes of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Where <laughs> Clearly, they Scooby don't know. Scooby and Shaggy just fall into, you know, unmasking the villain all the time after Fred's plans fall through. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was so funny. And so it's like, yeah, how do you have magic wax? And also, where does the cat god come from is my it's, other big question. Yeah, I, 
Cat cat god's a little bit more of a loose end than because magic wax could be like, yeah, they're Louisiana people and you know, Jacques brings them whatever from the mainland onto the boat. Well, Well, I don't know. If magic wax and cat gods, like in this, we're seeing a lot of real things. If that's the truth in this universe, do you think a gang converts after this movie? Converts it to voodooism? Oh, to cat god. To cat gods. Because clearly that is the god of this universe, <laughs> is cat god. Because Clearly that is some spirit. Well, and then No, they literally become cat people from praying to the cat god. Like, maybe there's I mean, other yeah, gods in this universe, but like- question that's, a lot of things of- it's, but it's certainty. Like they literally Russell, they it's know all the, the it's god. all the devil. It's all just the devil. Maybe it is the devil acting like a cat god, but but they literally they have a they, they have a cat god that they know about. Why don't they just I don't know. I I I, I feel like maybe the gang converts. Out of the, the gang, who converts? That's what I really want to know. Oh, Shaggy and Scooby, one hundred percent. Yeah, they probably do. They'd be like, Oh snipes, man. <laughs> maybe we'll go get some uh, uh, some Scooby snacks, but they're cat food instead. Fred would if if Daphne converts. <laughs> Fred would follow Daphne. Yeah, Fred Whatever would follow she Daphne. Yeah, or uh, maybe if Lena wasn't evil, come over here. Come over here, Mommy but, boy. Well, and then with the weird thing at the very end, because like when you remember when I, I mentioned earlier when I said it, it ends kind of abruptly almost. Um, with this like a lot of lead up and a lot of moments in the movie that are very like filler moments. Like there's a whole scene when Daphne's, uh, excuse me, Velma's looking behind the mirror and she's like, where's my glasses wipe? And then Scooby like breathes on it and wipes it. And I was like, that's a whole like 20 seconds yeah, of this just movie. Yeah, they're just wasting time. Just wasting time. And then they it get to the end and it's like, the cat people had, I mean- The sh- ending's rushed a little the bit. Short, the shortest window of time. And the only way they defeat them is they literally just like push them twice- and then they they stalled. They stalled. Yeah, they to just beat stalled. Them. And like, not even a long stall. Like, they well, you got to eat once. before midnight. And I guess you turn into them. I think. Sorry, I'm jumping in again. I'm cutting you off a little bit. I think the cat people could have turned in the cat people earlier, which Jock yeah, kind of did. I think they could. Yeah. If they are, and I think Jock might have had a hat on. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch this. But I think they could have turned into it. Like whenever the zombies were coming up coming up and about if the moonlight hit them they could have been cat people earlier on but instead they wanted to be dramatic and they're like they're not going to go anywhere we got voodoo dolls and we don't care about shaggy and scooby and the zombies aren't going to be able to penetrate this you know without the help of like shaggy and scooby well and that's the funny thing is like it was just a hole in the ground how shaggy and scooby got in there yeah they just fell into the emergency exit essentially but the zombies weren't going to get into the house yeah 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 so, so essentially, it was just kind of like, here's the spot. We have this, you know, the moonlight will shine through on our uh, whatever the old fashioned time, uh, the moon dial, moon dial. Thank you, uh, <laughs> sundial. Um, yeah, and and then they'll turn into cat people and eat them real fast or suck out because it takes like five seconds. Yeah, and to I was suck like, out if, if you have like. Like literally a 30 second window of time where you can mm-hmm. do this. I, I would have been a little bit more concerned. I wouldn't have been like flaunting, like walking around the room, telling my story, doing all this stuff. I'd have been like hyper focused. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm about to lose my immortality. They just do that classic bad guy thing. Like, where let they me need tell you cred. my whole plot story and like waste time. And then yeah, just enough time for the, the heroes to come in. They just, you know? I think 
people that do bad things sometimes just feel like they're not going to get cred from it unless, you know, they <laughs> They're not going to be able to justify it unless they tell their story. Yeah, it's justifying or it's like, I'm doing the same, but no one knows about it. So let me like tell you before you die so I can feel your reaction, you know, yeah, that I mean, happens. Yeah, makes sense. But, but they stall and the zombies essentially help them kill out the cat people. Yeah, and, and my last thing too was when, was it Daphne who's like, no, Scooby, Shaggy, the zombies are the good guys. And I was like, we don't necessarily know that either. Like, yeah, that was be, a little bit of an assumption. These could be very angry zombies. But they, they were, were. They, they were, were the good guys, they though. Were, and maybe the zombies, they were like, maybe if we scare them, they'll leave. But also the zombie, we, we learned the ghost could talk and the ghost was like, get out. Yeah. And when they evaporate into heaven or whatever, and he's like, thank you. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't they just tell them, be like, they're evil. They're <laughs> like, cat people. They could have just said it. They could have just told them. Maybe maybe not all zombies are created equal and some of them can actually speak in English and others can't. I, just, but I wish it was like a background zombie of one of the tourists like not chasing Scooby and Shaggy but just like <laughs> taking pictures with their camera just like, yeah. like zombie taking pictures <laughs> with their camera. Yeah, they just... Yeah, I don't know. I think the zombies just needed to help them or, or felt like the only way they could... I mean, obviously, the only way that they could find peace was if the cat people die. And so the way they try and do that is by scaring away people. And maybe if they they wouldn't appear spooky, if they were just like, hey, man, you got to leave. And then people would just be like, yeah, whatever, you know, but instead they go, rar, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, we don't, we don't know what they've done for hundreds of years. Yeah, I'm sure they've, they've tried everything. They've tried every move yeah, in the book to try to get people to leave. <laughs> We're not giving the zombies credit, Russell. Come on. <laughs> the, the zombies walk up to the people that come on. And so, yeah, first, can I first tell you the good word? Have you heard about your Lord and Savior? <laughs> I'll get out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm That's sorry, good. No, like, <laughs> I'm having a convert, like watching it a second time helped a ton because it let me process, like I said, there's a lot going on. It let me process yeah. things. Man. And, it, and it got me to these points of like, these are the things, these are the right things to be questioning. And I'm glad that we, I feel like we're very much on the same level of like, yeah, well, that this didn't quite make sense. Yeah, some of it's goofy, but I, I think this is just a really fun, enjoyable movie. And I, know. And I and think it's, it's Spooktoberfest right now. It's, man. Not, it's Halloween. I wish we were more spooky this episode, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, don't think need. we're very scary people regardless. So, nah, never been, never really tried to be. Um, Ned, how many Scooby Snacks are you giving this movie out of ten? I would give this one, and I'm and I'm being harsh because I and I watch a lot of movies. I'm a movie buff. I would maybe give this one six to six and a half Scooby Snacks for me, though. Okay, I think as a like direct to DVD movie, that's all right. Yeah, like it stacks up. Like if we're talking about it compared to like a Disney Channel original movie, like yeah, this was significantly done better than many of those. And I, I consider that in the same realm of kind of like straight to DVD stuff. Cool. But when it stacks up against like my Halloween scary movies, like fun, scary movie, funny, scary movies. I'd like, I think a six for me is like generous. You oh know? man. All six, right. six and a half is generous. I should, I should say. All right. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, I'm giving it 7.5 Scooby snacks out of 10. I, I think it's a great movie. I think nostalgically, it's all there for me, and I love the risks that it take uh, that it takes. But I, I don't think it's necessarily like you're saying the best movie ever. Um, 
But if you like Scooby-Doo or if you're looking for something like to watch with the kids, like I think it's a great movie for that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what? I get, can't talk right now. We'll watch it again next year and I probably will give it more Scooby Snacks next year because it has that whole like it's in the mood for Halloween and yes. this is a movie I've seen before and it's comforting and cozy. Like just like Hocus Pocus, I actually watched that for the first time last year and I was like, this movie's not as good as everybody says. Oh. And come at me with that because I think a lot of people watched it growing up. It just has that Halloween season. I think I feel the feel, same way. You know? Yeah, I think I feel the same way. I never really watched it as a kid. I didn't either. And and it like when people hyped it up, I was like super hyped up to watch it last year. And I was like, this didn't live up to the hype at all. Oh like, man, that's rough. You know, besides yeah. great acting, but for a for a Disney Channel movie. Something on the same band as this, like if you're looking for that that spooky thing, but not too spooky with the kids. Um what is that that Disney show with the Uncle Stan and they're in the woods and it's related oh, to that, Rick and Morty? Um, it was Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls is yeah. a great one for another like one Halloween, in the Adventure time. time, not in universe, but the Adventure Time vibe. Uh, Over the Garden Wall, phenomenal oh, yeah. show. I've heard about that. I uh, watched it last year around this time and scored beautifully. Animation's beautiful. So and it, that fits right in that realm of like let's get let's get Spooktober over here. Man, I'm ready for it. I'm so excited for Halloween. I don't know. I haven't looked at when this episode's coming out, but it'll be right before. Yeah, it should Halloween. be. I think it should be the week before. So, oh, that's so good. Spooky season, y'all. We're in it. Spook. Get your costumes ready. Go trick or treat if you're over 16. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> break the rules. Break man. the rules. Rules are for adults. Yeah, you're not an adult um, unless you, you know. Given to society standards, blah. Yeah, screw society standards. Um, also, if you want more Scooby Doo Zombie Island, I highly recommend. There's a really great YouTube video by uh, a creator named Savage Books. I checked it out before doing this podcast a couple of days ago, and really loved it. It's called Throw Throwback Breakdown Scooby Doo on Zombie Island: A Dark Masterpiece. And dives into some of the similar things that we talked about tonight, but like it's it's obviously, you know, it's scripted and and a lot more just like line for line kind of line thing. Line for line. Yeah. But I, I really liked it. It's a different, totally different thing than what we just did, but um it's good. And I just felt like I needed to shout it out because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It gets you in the mood, man. Again, like it does. I I love overanalyzing things. So the more people that do it, the better. Yeah, sorry for the sporadic nature of this episode, but I that was great. I, I had a blast. I enjoyed it. I I definitely had higher energy this episode than I expected to. Um, but y'all, thank you so much. Next episode's going to be Ooh, season two. Season two, Let's episode go. one. That's what we want. That's that's what Neb wants, and I'm here for it. I'm just kidding. And we start <laughs> off with Marceline because so it's even better. And I'm in. And you're in, and, and that I'm means Marceline's in. probably going to release. The Tuesday after Halloween, which is perfect. Oh man! Even if she was before Halloween, Marceline's nice and spooky. Nice and spooks, and we get her dad, who's basically the devil. Ah, good. Well, <laughs> we'll dive real deep into that. <laughs> real one. deep into that one. Yeah. Whenever, whenever that episode comes out, we'll probably record that next week. I'm excited, y'all. Go check us out and review us on Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff. Instagram, Never Ending Adventure Podcast, TikTok, Never Ending Adventure Cast, Twitter. NEA underscore podcast. Email us, please. 
give us some stuff to talk about. Yeah. It'd be fun. Ask us questions. Send us clips. Yeah. Any, love it. NEA dot travelers vlog, travelers blog, not vlog, mm. at gmail.com. And yeah, just get in the spooky mood and enjoy some Scooby-Doo. Enjoy the Scooby-Doo. Enjoy the season. And we'll see you guys later. Love to you All guys. All right. Bye-bye.